alive. How do we know she is alive? I hate when people talk during the movie. No wire hangers ever! You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Your stupid mimes. Stupid, stupid! Relax. It's all in bad taste. Everyone fully drank. Everyone got their drank on. <laughs> I get my drank on. I sound Yorkshire anyway, because I've noticed that. I've You're not like from Yorkshire. Yorkshire. No, so how can but, you like, sound Yorkshire? No, you mean. don't sound anything like Yorkshire. No. You think you sound Yorkshire, but what you sound is like you're from Durham, which is meant. where you're from. I missed letters out. I went. That's not necessarily Yorkshire. That's just, just because, bad yeah. grammar. It's just no one to the, be in Yorkshire. Being illiterate does not mean you're Yorkshire. Best stereotype. We're just alienating all of the Yorkshire listeners that we I'm potentially from Yorkshire. have. Well, mostly. From t- country. Point proven, Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> You're a fucking shiny example of the... Sorry. <laughs> I'm a, I, want, I do want this... Uh, not this... quite northern, though, are you, Liam? Because you're south of the time, but you're not quite southern either. So where do you really I belong? I exist in the land of Nilbog, and <laughs> the only the land of Nilbog. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Bad Taste Buds, the podcast where we talk trash about the very best of bad cinema. This is our inauguration episode. Do I try inauguration. Yeah, one more, one more. Do, what, do you not think that was good? Mm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Bad Taste Buds. Sorry. Wow. Oh, wow, you piece of shit. You piece of shit. You fucking idiot. Can we go back to the inauguration? <laughs> <laughs> is the word inaugural? Inaugural. Inaugural? I don't want to start the episode like this. If yeah, we're but- not sure, don't use the word. I'm your host, Liam, and on my right, we have the beautiful Jack. Say hi, Jack. Hi, Jack. Oh, God damn it. Sorry, I'm <laughs> so Fucking hell. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> and next name, we've got Hannah. Hello. And last but not least, we have Ryan. The head of the new church of Grand Parsers. The new Just church. Just out there if anyone wants to join. <laughs> Is it like Scientology, where I have to pay, like, a inaugural amount? Wait, hold on. It's an inaugural amount of money. <laughs> it's obscene. I don't know what's happening to my brain. Yep, that's us. We are the Bad Taste Buds. We go through the very worst films of all time and talk trash about how much we love them, because we do. There's something genuinely special about bad films, and that's kind of what we're here to celebrate on the podcast. I know for a fact that kind of, well, we're all friends here. We all uh, kind of went to university together. We, we met, what was it, seven years ago or something, mm-hmm. I think now. Uh, and we kind of I think it was like our fourth year of kind of living together we started to dabble in the world of best worst well you sort of introduced it to us didn't you with the one the only the room the one the only the room the, this was my first one troll 2 the episode we are doing today is the 1990 film Troll 2. So uh, how old were you when you first watched Troll 2? I must have been. It, it was very, very close to, to kind of the beginning of uni. I think I was probably like 18. So we heard about it from you. Where did you hear about it? Weirdly enough, from YouTube clips and memes. So uh, Troll 2 was, was I remember, oh God, it was like 20, 2012 or something, 2013. It was the early years of um, Facebook. I think it was kind of the, the first few years of Facebook. Uh, I remember seeing the, the video clip circulating, the oh my God scene, the, the infamous, oh my God, they're eating her and then they're going to eat me. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of from that moment on, I was like, I think I found my calling. I think I've discovered what I actually want to do with my life. And I think it was like four years, five years I, I, since since kind of really getting into them. I wanted, always wanted to set up this podcast and I knew you guys kind of appreciate them. We used to host like bad movie nights around our mm-hmm. flat, remember? We used to kind of get everyone around and, and we'd yeah, go through. Yeah, it used to be our Saturday night activity, bad miss, movie. Well, I miss doing them and that's kind of why I started this up again. I just miss having people around. Well, there was that as well, yeah. Obviously... When this releases, I guess we might be out of lockdown. Who fucking knows? Probably not. But regardless, uh, once lockdown is over, I think 
there's no better way to celebrate the end of lockdown than with some really shitty movies. What I want to do quickly before we talk about Troll 2 is kind of have a little discussion about Best Worst Cinema in general, what it does to kind of the people watching it, why there is this cult surrounding it, and kind of how we feel about it. So what does Best Worst mean to you guys? When I, when I say the word Best Worst, what do you guys think? It means that I'm not going to go see a summer blockbuster, but I am going to see something very entertaining. The Best Worst to me is something on Rotten Tomatoes that is... 30% or below, at 50%, you have a middle-of-the-road movie that in most likelihood will just be dull mm. and it won't be entertaining. At best, worse, is so bad that I either laugh or I am enthralled <laughs> or I am left scratching my head at the end wondering just what the fuck happened. It's Which, a you've-been-framed car crash kind of, I know I shouldn't enjoy this, yeah. but I do kind of vibe yeah. of it, isn't it? It's that cinema, it's guilty pleasure. It's, it's the movie that if I showed it to my mum, she would come away like... Just bamboozled. Disowned. Yeah, just <laughs> get out the house. Oh, what have you done? You've wasted two hours of my life. <laughs> I think things with flaws tend to be kind of personified or humanised or endeared as well, aren't they? Mm. Like yeah, if you've absolutely. got a car that makes a squeaky noise, you're like, oh, she's just got a bit of a squeak. You know, it's that kind of having a, something shit about it gives it a bit of a human trait because we are shit, aren't we? Oh, really? shit, well, that's it. Right. It's almost like it's the purest form of filmmaking to me. It's it, You can't really get any more sincere or earnest or honest than a bad film that was made with the, the, the truest of intentions. <laughs> and that separates films like Troll 2, um, Showgirls, Manos, The Hands of Fate, Plan 9 from Outer Space, from something like Sharknado, which I think Hollywood almost tried to capitalize on. Or any Adam Sandler film. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Like, there's, there's, there's bad, and then there's bad. Like, there's good bad. <laughs> bad with a wink. Bad with a little, little winky, winky boy. Little, little wink. I mean, for my money anyway, I would say that Troll 2 was more of a resurgence than a defining moment in the genre of Best Worst. Mm. When people want to look back to say kind of the origins of Best Worst, they look to the two time periods I look to anyway, the 1930s and the 1950s. Obviously the 30s with films like uh, Reef of Madness, uh, Terror of Tiny Town. Oh my God, that sounds delightful. <laughs> it's, it exists exactly how it sounds. I'm looking forward to you watching that one. You'll see yourself as the giant fucking villain in it, probably, though. Oh, Bigfoot. Um, but then, obviously, more I think more seminally, the 1950s with directors like Ed Wood and the, the popularity that was garnered around him and, obviously, the Tim Burton biopic that came with, with uh, Johnny oh, Depp. Oh, you fucking... I was going to make a say... joke about Johnny Depp. Yeah, it was actually Johnny Depp. Of course it was Johnny Depp. Who else would it be? It's, the only, it's the only actor on Tim Burton's fucking phone, apparently. Is Well, maybe not anymore. Awkward. Um, <laughs> directors like Ed Wood, at least, and Roger Corman as well, ushered in kind of that period of the B-movie and, and the kind of popularity of the B-movie. I mean, do you know kind of what, where the origins of B-movies come from and why it kind of... It, it does oh, differentiate. Yeah, pick me, sir. On, yeah, so I think I've told you this before, but Yeah, so they used to have screenings at the cinemas and there would be two movies on. You would have yeah. your A-movie, which was your bigger, more popular, more marketed movie. Yeah, that was the one to get butts and seats. And then your B-movie came afterwards and it was... Uh, lower budget yeah. it was much more campy in general and they are fun as fuck so like my mind goes to shit like i don't know killer clowns from outer space barbarella you know all the all the trauma films as well like toxic avenger one of our personal oh, favorites fuck. but i wouldn't always classify them as best worst movies just because it's b doesn't mean it's bad you can be b and be pretty fucking exceptional from beginning to end oh fuck yeah you need to story it's filmed well it's yeah. acted well people know what they're doing I mean, just because it's campy doesn't i mean this is why this is why you never see something like rocky horror in a best worst category because it's it's still extraordinary put together it's wonderfully acted wonderfully directed but it's campy campy doesn't always necessitate bad the way this film gained a lot of its popularity as well was kind of through those late night low budget cable tv kind of seeing the sci-fi channel uh, vhs midnight screenings 
a lot of the same ways that uh, Rocky Horror did, actually, where people would kind of go to these secret screenings, those people who were kind of in the know. Um, One of the the beauties of this is, though, that as time goes on, those midnight screenings still are absolutely packed and people go every single year regardless. And although it's just a small following, it's still a loyal one. Probably more so, I would say, than they used to be. fiercely loyal. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of just got back from watching the documentary as well and you can see that the fan base that this film has is exponential. It's in the probably in the thousands at this point. Definitely in the thousands at this point. Yeah. There was um, a guy from Russia that flew yeah, over Yeah, people first. fly. Uh-huh. People travel for this <laughs> shit. Oh. I mean, I kind of could imagine. I feel like I might... Russia to Utah, though. Like, I'm a little bit upset crazy. that I've never been to one of these conventions that we'll, we'll probably, probably talk more about on our supplementary episode, our point five. But yeah, these conventions are wild. Mm-hmm. There's something unashamedly naughty and underground about the whole thing. It's almost as if it's like a dare. Like, a dare. You. I've, I've seen this really bad film. A dare to fucking watch it. It's like <laughs> you kind of want to watch these things with your best friends and just kind of... It, it, I think it's a perfect kind of chill-out movie. This was almost like a revival, I think, and especially when the documentary came out, which we we, we have watched as well. Um, the Best Worst Movie documentary came out in 2009. It almost brought back Best Worst into the public consciousness, into the public sphere. And then kind of post that, The Room and then The Disaster Artist was a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, kind of seeing a Hollywood blockbuster with A-list actors definitely forced a lot of people to kind of seek these films out. And I appreciate that. Kind of as a fan from kind of my, my late teens, I appreciate that it's kind of becoming more popular and more mainstream. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that because that means we have more listeners. And more films to cover. Like, if we keep getting shit like this, then that'd be brilliant. It's actually number 33 on IMDb. It's dropped, yeah. It's not, it's not the worst movie according so to IMDb. It used What's to be. the top one now? Disaster movie. The uh, Friedberg and Seltzer, the guys who did Scary Movie. Uh, I kind well, of feel like cheating, though, if it's meant to be shit, kind of. It's meant to be shit, really. Isn't uh, it's it? a it's weird one. It's meant to be shit, one. but it misses what it aims for and lands in trash. I think the Friedberg <laughs> and Seltzer movies, those, the Meet the Spartans, uh, date movie. Scary movie. Yeah, they... Um, they at least try, they want people to laugh with them, not at them. It's, I don't think they're like intentionally bad. I think they genuinely think they're funny people and they're not because they're <laughs> fucking atrocious. It's, it's a weird, there's a, there's a weird dichotomy between what actually classifies as best worst because a lot of people would argue Sharknado does. But if it's, you're right, Jack, if it's built to be best worst, are we allowing it to be? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll we're definitely going to cover those films later on the line, but today we are focused on Troll 2. When was the first time you guys saw this movie then? Because I, I was 18, 19 when I saw it. Yeah, on the floor of your like fourth year of uni house. We had very few couches, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> we had like one couch that like eight of us had to share. <laughs> yeah, it was cozy. It's been a while, so my memory's a little bit rusty of it, but obviously we've watched that best worst movie one which caught us up to speed. I just remember thinking, like, what the fuck? Someone released that thing and yes, this is good. And it's amazing to see the defender get so annoyed when people criticize it. Oh, we are gonna get into that. A guy. lack of self-awareness from him was just like bamboozling, it really was. Yeah. Director is a scary man. He's a bit intimidating. Watching the documentary and seeing him like almost har- harass the actors consistently throughout the whole thing. Just booing them off the stage. Calling them dogs. Calling them dogs yeah. all the time. Human dogs, he calls them. I think, again... The actor dogs. That kind of plays into why Best Worst is successful because most of the time, a good Best Worst has the backing of the creator to the end. Like, he, they, most of the... Tommy Wiseau's the same with The Room. He loves that thing and he refuses to let anyone tell him it's it's dog shit. He embraced the best worst culture, but yeah. he still is adamant it's a masterpiece. That's it. And I think a lot of the times it's again it's that it's that earnestness of the filmmakers. They genuinely think they put out something exceptional, and when it's not exceptional, when it's 
a dumpster fire. It's you're right. It's like it's like cinematic rubbernecking. You can't look away for a second. The directors almost live in the delusion. They want to be there. They love the praise and the attention and the claps that they get for the cult of best worst moviegoers that love their films. Mm. But when that same cult turns around and says, "I love your film because it was terrible." the directors tend to get infuriated and will defend the movies and say that they are excellent at the same time, lapping up the praise they're getting from the people criticising it. Oh, surprise, but yeah. The, all that being said, I would go on record to say that Best Worst is my favourite genre of movie. There's something un, unexplainably delightful about watching a Best Worst movie. It's almost hard to put into words. It's hysteria. It's the epitome of camp, and it captures... I think it captures a lot of the public zeitgeist as well. It captures kind of what's going on in the world... I think we need shit like this. I think in, in the day and age where things are really dark and really stressful and we're all upset and we're all scared because of quarantine and whatever the fuck's going on in America and all that, all that jazz, I think now more than ever, people need to be indulging in trash because it's not just film. It's not limited to film either. Like As a culture, we have always kind of been obsessed with trash. Like Just look at the TV shows that are on. Love Island. Love Island, Big Brother. I mean, it probably started with Big Brother, didn't it? You, you can't really get better than just watching a fucking train wreck for 30 minutes at a piece and, and just kind of indulging in it. I don't know what the reason is. I don't know what the human kind of consciousness is that makes us attracted to this kind of shit. Maybe it's like a, a weird form of schadenfreude that we just like watching the world burn. <laughs> I don't know. Or that we just like watching people be human and that Maybe. is yeah. part of being human is just sort of fucking up a little bit. I and that's what these are. The the... <laughs> and it helps us deal with our inadequacies when we watch that and you can go, that was shit, wasn't it? Yeah. That might be it. Us, it helps us, you know, deal with our inadequacies, doesn't it? For me anyway, it's like the happiest of accidents. It's one of those things where like everything... <laughs> well... I mean, that's accurate. It's one of those things that comes together so haphazardly and yet works and fails on every single element. So before we go any further, I want to give you a quick rundown of how things work around here. Usually we spend about five, ten minutes shooting the shit before we go into preamble, where we kind of talk about what our knowledge of the film is before we watch it, if we've seen it before, uh, if we haven't seen it before, what we're expecting. We do a quick watch of the trailer, do our trailer talk, what do we think, what we kind of putting ourselves through, what we get ourselves ready for. We'll watch the film, we'll shut it off, we'll ask you to shut it off with us, see if you can grab a copy, watch it with us. We'll come back, give our first impressions, really dive deep into kind of what the film's all about. Before we end on final thoughts, where we just tell you kind of a culmination of what we felt about the film, whether or not we would classify it as best worst, whether or not we enjoyed it. If you want to watch the film, I would highly recommend watching the films kind of before you hear, because they will be spoilery, our kind of reviews of them afterwards. Uh, so do kind of, you can... Catch most of these on YouTube if it helps. Most of them are a thousand years old. Yeah, so don't don't uh, don't think you'd have to buy them on Blu-ray or anything like I do. But yeah, and that's usually where we leave you. So this film was released in 1990. It is a sequel to Troll. No, it fucking isn't. Well, it's right. It is a spiritual. Is it, fuck? <laughs> it got the Troll Two title slapped on in post production. It was actually originally called Goblin, wasn't it? I think was the working title. Yeah, all of the enemies are goblins. Which yeah yeah so. It, when we get into the kind of the, the plot of the film, you'll kind of realize that there was a lot of kind of confusion um, regarding the actual kind of language barrier that came with the director. Um, I think he it didn't called, really. Sorry, it was wasn't it just called Troll Two? Just because yeah. it was a semi-successful film called Troll. Se- semi-successful. It would probably help people actually. Oh, Troll Two didn't know they made a sequel to that. Semi-successful is a really nice way of putting it. Me and Ryan <laughs> watched Troll One. It's a, a highly forgettable kind of bland eighties fantasy film like it, it kind of has vibes of never ending story it has the kid from the never ending story in it I think you preferred it I think I only preferred it because there was Troll 2 and it's 
whether it wants to be or not, it's now attached to Troll Two. Mm. It actually comes in a multi box set, doesn't it? It does. We got the uh, we got the kind of three disc set with the, the documentary with the Troll One and Troll Two. I think the kind of resurgence of Troll Two has brought Troll One. Almost, <laughs> it's ended up sort of yeah, that was itself. that was the that was the kind of the B film now. The one that people don't really talk about is the first one. It is an immensely better film. It's actually competent. It's got decent acting. It's got decent effects. Just forget. It's just. Does it have a troll? It, you it actually does have a troll. It, it has multiple trolls. Yeah. <laughs> multiple trolls. So the first one are trolls. Kid moves into an apartment block. There's a troll living there. The troll goes round infecting people and turning them into like cocoons from where more trolls come from. And then the apartments turn into a fairyland where there's trees and no clear borders and things like that. Eventually, the kid has to slay the troll. I was going to say fucking goblin. The troll. kid slays the troll and life goes back to normal. This this is fucking nothing. Like that. Yeah. First of all, there are like elements of it that carry over. Like there are the veg- there's a child. They're vegetarians Do in they both drive films. Nilbog at some point? There's no Nilbog. There's no Nilbog, which oh. is clearly the, the <laughs> best part of the film. I think it's currently on six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Jack, what do you say it was on IMDb? Uh, two point nine. Two point nine so, yeah, on IMDb. Um, it used to be the worst film on IMDb. It used to be number one, but it's it has it used dropped. to be zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes yeah. for a while. Highly undeserved. It's much better than that. <laughs> I don't know about you, but this has got me really excited to watch the trailer. I'm ready to watch the trailer as well. Should we, should we do trailer talk? So I think what we'll do now, guys, is we'll shut the uh, recording off. We'll go watch the trailer, come back and give you some of our thoughts. I would recommend you guys do the same. So if you have a chance, go watch the trailer and come back in about two or three minutes. See y'all soon. Bye. Powers of evil are very strong here. I must leave. Goblins don't exist. Goblins don't exist. Oh, was it just me, or was that the single most scattered shot advert I have ever seen in my entire film? <laughs> I don't even really watch it now. I feel like I've, it's caught me back up. It was almost like a compilation of all the best scenes in the film just stuck together with some really shitty soundtrack. Well, uh, nearly yeah. all the best scenes. You got like yeah. half of some of them. You, it's it like was, a teaser. It was, it was prepared. I think it does a good job of preparing you for kind of what you're about to experience. It's like that hella low budget. I love how it's like now on Blu-ray and it still looks like absolute fucking garbage. <laughs> They just look like really little pissed off Ewoks, don't they? Oh, yeah. with their little sticks oh. and everything like that. Yeah, the, the 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 trailer doesn't actually give a hell of a lot of the plot away. It's it's more of like, here's a scene from the film. Here's another scene from the film. Here's a kid screaming. Here's a goblin chasing a kid. Like it's very much one of those trailers where you it doesn't actually spoil anything really. No, no spoilers. And it intersperses every few scenes. The words "Troll Two on the black screen, but it keeps fading in different directions. Might come from the bottom of the screen. Might appear out of the black. You it's just like, don't fucking know. It's like year eight Microsoft PowerPoint slide transition sort of. Is think, it like Will wins around the screen? I think because of its like complete scattershot nature, it felt really long watching that. I think you mentioned it was almost as long as the... It felt f- painfully long. Yeah. I looked down, it's two minutes, 20, but it felt like... Yeah, Jack was almost asleep in the fucking trailer. <laughs> oh, so we have this like thing, we're, we're going we're gonna to get onto this because it's going to come up at some point that Jack has a tendency to fall asleep during movies. I remember like... Quite a good one. Throughout our friendship, you've fallen asleep through, I, I would say, at least 70% of the movies we've watched together. And it together. doesn't even matter 65. on the movie. <laughs> it doesn't matter on the movie. I'd say at this point, it's more of an expectation than it is a possibility. I'm still a little bit upset that you fell asleep during Halloween when we went to see the re-release in, in a full like, IMAX theatre. Oh, we got the comfy seats. We did get the comfy seats. Yeah. And you were like, probably, no. I think we got all the snacks as well. It was really warm. I was full. I was warm. I was comfy. And I just... Perfect storm of... It was a slow film, Halloween. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
we're gonna have this we're gonna have this argument one day the music was good but the rest of it wasn't in my opinion sorry so yeah trailer trailer out the way we kind of got a good idea of what we're gonna get in store for i do want to kind of mention um we didn't mention the first part but troll one ryan the, do you remember the most memorable part of that film? Because I remember the most memorable it's part. It's the most memorable part of that film, Harry Potter. The main character in Troll 1 is called Harry Potter. Oh, and so it's, where did this come out? No, no, no. The main character's name is Harry Potter. Now, Troll 1 came out in like 87, 88 or something like that. So prior to J.K. Rowling's <laughs> Harry Potter. So I want to see the kind of prequel series that tells me that this is kind of set in the same universe as Harry Potter. There's like an MCU level extended I mean, universe. Do you think they're actually called Harry Potter? Like a I don't fucking know. Oh, probably. Harry Potter. I mean, they deserve it. They probably. absolutely they deserve fucking it. Fucking nerds. Someone needs to contact Joanne if you know where and ask if it's related to Troll. Joanne being J.K. Rowling. Ryan has a tendency to call her Joanne because she's a turf. Because <laughs> they're on good terms. Such good she terms. She just seems like a Karen, so I call her a Joanne. Joanne's a pretty karen name, like, isn't it? Oh, Joanne. Joanne wants to speak to the manager too. I'm yeah. sorry if any Joanne's listening. <laughs> oh, you, you have an Andy called Joanne. And she's a Joanne. She is a bit of a Joanne. <laughs> I, just, again, I think it just called me, it's like, it's it's going to be this perfect storm of, of garbage. You're right, the trailer just tells you everything you can and need to know. Go yeah, on in. I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready, ready yeah. to switch off now, watch this movie, lower the lights, get Jack to sleep, and eat fucked on the food. Right, so if you kind of are watching it with us go uh, yeah turn the podcast off now come back in an hour and a half when you've seen it go find it on YouTube go find it somewhere don't download it illegally but do if you have to uh, and you'll come back and find us soon right <laughs> see Bye y'all guys. soon and remember And we're back. We have just come back from watching Troll 2. I'm Woo! no longer here. I'm now a goblin. Ryan has transformed. Ryan ate some vegetables. Mm. Actually, knowing... Yeah, Jack's woken <laughs> up. If you couldn't tell Hi, from that Jack. fucking yawn. Welcome back Sorry, to well. the world. That was the snooze. Jack so had we had little bets on about what time Jack falls asleep. And I don't think I won this one. I will get the next one. But Hannah, did you win this one? Yeah, I said a solid 60 minutes and it was about 50 he, odd minutes. He trooped on there for a while. He did. really hard. We, we had no faith in him. Liam was 20 minutes. I was, I was yeah. 45. We did not think he was going to last. I'm going to up my bet for next time. I feel like I need to uh, give him a bit more credit than I did this time. Maybe he just <laughs> tried really hard for the first episode. But the and next one's Showgirls, right? Yeah, so he's going to bit... love Showgirls. Yeah. You can't sleep through Showgirls. It's impossible to sleep through Showgirls. Never see it. I'm yeah. excited for you to watch it. It just sounds like... like... Smut, basically. Smut. I, I call it you youngsters and your smut these days. You do days. sound like the old man who sits on the fucking like garden opposite this movie. Yeah. What did we all think then? Oh, what was our kind of initial reaction? I mean, I fell back in love with it pretty much instantly. I don't, would never go on record to say it's my favorite best worst film, but I would say it's up there. It's probably my it's top ten. Hoot. <laughs> it's a hoot. It's a nostalgia value as well. This is my gateway into best worst movies, and it's just exactly what I wanted. I remember it exactly. It did as take. It back to being on the floor in that flat watching them all together just watching the atrocities that were on our screen come to think of it I think I fell asleep watching it the first time you probably did I wouldn't be surprised that's not really a glowing review is it Jack's uh, I mean (laughs) 
You fell asleep during Halloween. John Carpenter's Halloween. He falls asleep during Halloween. everything, everything. including his favourite episodes no. of things. He, no, he could sit. He will sit and watch nine hours of Lord of the Rings, wide <laughs> like fucking Clockwork Orange, eyes wide, no problem. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't fall asleep through everything. Oh, it's been a long week, right? I literally... I literally oh, <laughs> Let's cut him I'm, some I'm slack. He's trying. Are right? you regretting waking up? <laughs> he just stay asleep now. He's yeah, going back to bed. Too. He doesn't get bullied when he's asleep. Fortunately for you, Liam has a little synopsis to catch up on what you've missed. Yeah, this is for all our people who didn't watch this film, which you should have, but if you didn't, please go back and do it. But for those of you who don't care about spoilers, for those of you who want to want to join us, and not watch the films, that's fine too. Let's give you a little bit of a plot synopsis. First things first, yep, no relation to Troll 1. No trolls in it whatsoever. <laughs> Joshua Waits and his family do a little house swap with a family in the quaint town of Nilbog. We'll get to that later, don't worry. All the while, he's been haunted by the ghost of Grandpa Seth, who's telling him to avoid Nilbog at all costs. Excuse me, haunted by Grandpa Seth. <laughs> he's been tormented by Grandpa <laughs> Seth. Of telling him to avoid Nilbog at all costs. Once there, the townsfolk's true nature reveals its ugly head. Devout vegetarian vampires, each one of them more <laughs> vicious a, than the Devout vegetarian vampires. That's going to be the uh, tagline for this yeah. uh, episode. <laughs> They slowly force-feed our victims a combination of green goop and green milk, turning each one of them into plants for the goblins to devour, because goblins are vegetarians, obviously. Now, while all this is happening, Joshua's sister, Holly, uh, is giving her boyfriend an ultimatum, basically saying that if you don't come with us to Nilborg, that it's over for us. He spends far too much time with his quote-unquote boyfriends. If I had five boyfriends, I wouldn't hang out I with my I can't blame either. the guy, yeah. He's a lucky guy. Uh, what ends up happening is he doesn't end up going on the trip with them, but he does follow in their little camper van. They've got this little, like friend camper van thing going on. It's actually kind of cute. Um, they all sleep in the same bed. Uh, Goblin Queen Credence is pulling all the strings in the background and tries Why? to turn each of the family members into goblin food. Except that's not her full title. She is... Sorry. Goblin Queen, Druid Witch, Credence, Lenore... Guy good. Lenore? Lenore. Is she a fucking... Like the, yeah. she a fucking Fabri? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we're basically, with the help of the family, teamwork, and most importantly, Grandpa Seth's uh, unexplainable superpowers, the family overcomes the goblin scourge and live happily ever after. Or do they? They don't. They don't. They, don't. <laughs> they, they all die. Mommy dies. Daddy dies. Josh doesn't... Uh, presumably Josh dies. But you don't see Josh die. He just walks in on his mother getting cannibalized by... Vegetarian goblins. And if, if that made no sense to you listening to it, it, I promise you it would make no sense watching it either. No. Because it's but not... It's worth the ride. It's entertaining from the beginning to the end. There's not really a scene in this that I think is boring. For me, it's just a really perfect example. I think it's a, probably the best introduction to Best Worst for a, a, a newbie or someone who's never seen a Best Worst film. And while it makes no sense to viewers in general, especially if you're new to the genre, the director and writer both had their vision for this. It was meant to be a film about food, living, and family. family. Yeah. It was meant to be a horror film as well, wasn't it? Because yeah, a horror the, comedy, yeah. The, the writer, is she's she's always written horror, so she's written like horror mm. comics since she was like nine and, and shit, so that, that's what it was meant to be. Yeah, the intent <laughs> and they succeeded. was... She was pissed off with the vegetarian friends, so the antagonists of the movies, the goblins, are all vegetarian, naturally. She wanted to put out a hard-hitting piece... Yeah. Yeah, this Sorry. is meant to be really, I'm a little really bit upset. As the group vegetarian, I'm a little bit upset that you guys haven't written a film about <laughs> vegetarian goblin vampires. For me, 
She didn't write for them. She wrote about them. Yeah, I don't know. I would be really happy if you guys wrote a f- uh, film about vegetarian vampires for me. Maybe we call it yeah. yeah, a little bit Goblin, and we base it on trolls. Troll Two is a fucking delight. I don't we care what it says. Neil, but with an eye, so it's Liam spelled backwards. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, we're going to get to Nilbog. I hope. Should we give our listeners like a few seconds to figure out what Nilbog is? It's Goblin spelled. Backwards. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Yes. Did anyone ever watch the TV show Raven on CBBC? I love Raven. Yeah. Of the Wario Challenger, you lose a life. That wasn't his arch nemesis, Naval, which yeah. is Raven spelled backwards. <laughs> because it's yeah. the easiest way. Yeah, it's like lazy writing possible. Isn't who it? isn't inspired by this movie? You've got JK. You've got the BBC. Fucking us. Who's next? I don't know if the BBC was inspired by the concept of palindromes, Ryan. <laughs> but okay. But isn't a palindrome the same thing spelled backwards? Yeah. Palindrome. My name's a palindrome. Hannah Hanna is a palindrome, yeah. Nilbog and Goblin is a palindrome. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> Where did you get that English degree? <laughs> I don't know. I don't care what anyone says. Like, in a, in a way, there's nothing redeemable about it, but because of the the love and the earnestness and the... There was genuine craftsmanship and care. Right, okay. <laughs> You're laughing. Oh, there was an attempt. There was care. There was care, definitely care that was put into this. The director and the screenwriter clearly loved the project they were well, working on. That kind of care where you really care about training your dog to the point where you kick it. But I also, no, I don't feel like it's, I don't feel like there's <laughs> any bad the intent. dogs and you shower at them constantly even when years later they all travel back to the house this was set in and they recreate the scene Claudio, the director, is there shouting at the actors because this fake scene that they're doing is laughable. They are laughing at it, and he is furious. He has a vision, and he knows Never how to get. Changed. He has a vision, and he knows how to get his vision fucking seen. That's what Matt is. He again, it's 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 the sign of a director who has has something to say, regardless of whether it's good or not, regardless of whether it's worthy of being seen. Doesn't really matter because it's achieved. Like he does, he he set out to do what he wanted to do, and he did it. On that note, if this podcast turns out to be terrible, Liam is the director. Oh, fuck. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I didn't think about that. These people set out to make their version of a good film. And I think that's what... Yeah, they failed miserably. They absolutely did. But that doesn't make it any less enjoyable. That doesn't make it any less... Because they set out. No. <laughs> There's something you can't really replicate, I don't think. Again, why films like, for me, Sharknado films, that just don't work. Because oh, yeah, you... It's like if you fuck up a recipe, yeah. it turns out surprisingly well. You can't remake that sort of weird yeah. recipe. It's just chucking ingredients in over the bed. But if you cook me a plate of dog shit, I'm going to know it's dog shit. You're right. Like, if I get dog shit when I ordered, like, lobster, lobster bisque, then, yeah, I'm going to be a bit, a bit pissed off. But I was never going into Troll 2 expecting fucking lobster bisque, was I? Or <laughs> Casablanca is what they compare it to. There's uh, the actress, uh, Margot, was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's in a similar vein to... It's an actor's movie in the similar vein to Casablanca. And it, it absolutely is. I genuinely feel bad criticising her after watching the best, worst movie. Yeah. Because I was going to tear her a new arse like in this because like, <laughs> there's the dead-eyed sort of acting in every scene I so I see you just I... roll one through there with the insults <laughs> dead I, eyes I, 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 I've condensed a very long run into a very short sentence you know but yeah she seems genuinely troubled and genuinely kind of out of touch and almost like Better, like bordering on kind of delusional in our approach to how mm. the film was received oh my heart bleeds she's and, uh, still intends to go back to acting someday 
And how old is she now? She'd be well, well into her fifties, sixties. Oh, maybe even older. Yeah, you're right. As far as the, um, I mean, as far as the actors go, we have George Hardy as the dad, Michael Paul Stevenson as the son. I think they all kind of get a bad rap. Like they all weren't really given a fair. Well, I don't don't know whether they were given a fair shot either, because I think from watching the documentary, from watching this, a lot of the scenes were orchestrated by Claudio Fragrasso, the director, who actually released this film under the pseudonym Drake Floyd. Which I don't know whether that was an attempt of being cool or just trying to... He was definitely proud of it. See, this is the thing, I would have said that. Johnny Blue Jeans going for like a really... (laughs) That's what I was thinking, yeah, just trying to pander to the market. Max Power. No, I think, yeah, again, like if if he was ashamed of it, I would have probably agreed with you that it was a pseudonym for that purpose. I don't know, I don't know what his intent with that was. So I think one of the actresses in particular, uh, Connie Young, the actress who plays the teenage daughter, she gets a really bad rap for her acting abilities and again, rightly so. There's the scene at the very beginning of the movie that's quite iconic where her boyfriend kind of sneaks through the window as she's doing this this workout scene. There's some pretty iconic dialogue in that. What was the nuts line? Are you nuts? You trying to turn me into a homo? Wouldn't it be too hard? If my father discovers you here, he'd cut off your little nuts and eat them. He can't stand you. And that just sums up the calibre of the dialogue, really, doesn't it? It's that throughout, pretty much. I think, what, didn't the cast say at quite length that, like, the director was kind of steamrolling them of this is what American culture is, this is what mm-hmm. American teenagers act like, despite being like a middle-aged Italian man. He was like, this is what American teenagers would act like. The language barrier was real, I'll tell you that much. So there was a lot of problems with the cast getting the scripts in the first place, and when they did get them, a lot of it was in broken English. They did try to ad-lib, didn't they, a lot of the, the actors, but the, the director was just having absolutely none of it. He, he pulled it back a lot of the time and just said, no, you will do my script. Actor dogs. It was his way or no way, basically. <laughs> and some of the actors would spend hours trying to decipher the script, come up with new lines that would fit the narrative a bit better, took them to Claudio, and he just shot them down every time. I'm really it. happy he did, if I'm being honest. We would have not had beautiful, beautiful dialogue. <laughs> Like, can I do my favourite di- piece of dialogue in this film? Because it hasn't been said yet, and it needs to be said. Absolutely. Do you know what that means? Hospitality. And you can't piss on hospitality. <laughs> so that was like, if, if you haven't seen it, George Hardy, the actor who plays the dad, I think it's probably the most iconic line in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, after the kid literally pisses on the dinner table. So there's this scene kind of early on where the kid figures out that the goblins are trying to poison the family with the vegetables. They're sitting down for a nice vegan lunch and this kid tries to figure out, what, what, what am I going to fucking do? What, I need to stop my family from eating this. That's when Grandpa Seth fucking jumps in with his time travel abilities, which we'll get into as well. Um, and he just ends up pissing on the fucking table. That's the, that's his solution to how do I stop my family from eating goblin poison, basically. Yeah, knock that, out the tablecloth and just eat it all out. Yeah, there's plenty of other things you could have done, but no, I'm going to piss on their food. But that piss- wasn't originally what they were going to do. They were originally going to get him to stand up on the table and shout that he was possessed. Um, but then as he was doing that, the director stopped him and said, no, you must piss on the food. And at first, apparently, the kid who was doing it was like, you, you want me to do what? What now? But then he just had to go on with it because obviously you act as a dog so they will do as they are told. You can't piss on hospitality, Hannah. <laughs> he's like not just pissing on hospitality. He's not just pissing on the food. He's like pissing on their fucking hands, on the table, on the fucking... Presumably in their going. mouths. Presumably in their mouths. It's disturbing. It's a fucking awesome scene. I'll give you that much. It's one of the more iconic scenes in the film for good reason. It's... The best bit is how the mum just looks exacerbated. She's not angry. She's not pissed off. She's just like, ah, oh, Joshua. Joshua pissed on the table again. <laughs> was it a bit with the dad's belt? Was it the joke meant to be that he was like he should have? He was about to beat him with his belt. Ah, uh, yes. So George, classic child abuse is just yeah, really funny. It's abuse. bizarre. So after he tells me you can't piss in hospitality, George realizes, but like, Dad, what are you gonna do? George grabs his belt. 
and then tightens it because he's going to tighten his belt up a notch so he can stop the hunger pains. Can we please talk about Grandpa Seth for a bit? Oh, I forgot about the mirror scene where he's just like, oops, sorry. Wrong where he gets in the wrong room. He goes to his fucking sister's room instead. <laughs> so he can apparate, but he can't tell which room his grandson's in? No, he can, he can turn into a homeless man in the middle of a road, in the middle of nowhere, and know exactly where they're going to be. But he gets lost in a new farmhouse. It's a big house. It's not a big house. It's <laughs> I mean, um, only four rooms. Well, again, it's just it, 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 it's a testament to how scattershot this film is. It's like there are rules, but they don't make any sense. In terms of Grandpa Seth, this is how his powers work. So we start off when he's in Joshua's bedroom, telling him the story about goblins and warning him about them because somehow he knows about them already. Whatever. The mother comes in and then tells Joshua that Grandpa Seth has been dead. And just to really let us know that he is dead, she reminds Joshua that he attended the funeral because it's so easy to forget those funerals that you attend all of the time. Grandpa Seth travels along with them, apparently, turns into this hitchhiker, which disappears before the family see and just think Joshua's gone crazy, stops time for a limited amount of time. So he comes back to life in flesh and blood gets a Molotov cocktail, encourages Joshua to throw it in on the goblins, who at this point still look like humans. He's clearly a level five mutant or some shit like that. But I want to know what, what I want to know desperately what he did to get sent to hell. That's... What didn't he do to get sent to hell? Like, give a child a Molotov cocktail, that's not good grandparenting. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, to defeat some trolls? I don't know. I'd probably want a Molotov cocktail from my grandpa. To a fucking 10-year-old? That is so safe. I think it's just... You know, teaching him about responsibility and what life's like once he's going to grow up. And to piss on tables. And to piss on tables. That's the thing, right? So we get piss on tables, Molotov cocktail. He apparates... Hug the hitchhiker. He apparates into his teenage granddaughter's room. That's kind of pervy. That's kind of weird, right? Heaven inspiring. Talking about kind of our favorite scenes in this film. So obviously you you kind of gravitate towards Grandpa Seth. Hannah, you wouldn't should have about uh, about Credence. I love Credence. I just think she clearly had the best of times. She fully embodied just the bizarreness that was this movie. It was those facial expressions and she first comes in and she's like this is my house and it's she, that sort of she's campy and mad yeah. moody sort of black teethed grin and she's she's so actually she dressed herself and she was really excited about this and she wore all of her great grandmother's jewelry and she went like thrift shopping for it Good so for her. that look oh. was was all down to her and you can tell like you can tell she's having the most fun with the role i think whereas a lot of the other actors are kind of stressed and trying to offer alternative lines and alternative dialogue <laughs> she's taking everything mm-hmm. on the chin and just running with it I everyone Ma- else thought it was a legitimate like this yeah could be my big break as an actor though didn't it that's the thing i don't know what her background was but it just seems like it's just kind of fuck it let's just go for it sort of mode isn't it yeah the actress deborah reed i don't know what, what what much about her either but she yeah she's having the most fun she's the one who kind of understands the assignment i think she gets what the director's going it. for and what definitely works to her benefit is the amount of makeup that she has yeah. on she's very hard to recognize in the real world <laughs> <laughs> She's kind of the catalyst for a lot of the best scenes in the film as well, I think. Like the uh, infamous they're eating her scene is kind of comes from her. The the she's kind of the commander of the goblins. She makes the goblins descend on this random woman who just shows up. I don't know where she shows up from. And then, and then that that iconic, oh no, the reading her scene comes from that. The popcorn scene, which is later on where the film almost transforms into like this 80s music video. So yeah, it's a scene that kind of right after the scene where she kind of gets her hand chopped off with Grandpa Seth uh, in the mirror. Uh, she kind of goes back to this druidic rock that kind of all the goblins stem from. She's it's, got a piece of genuine She does. It's, it's very much like, yeah, this kind of ancient druidic shit that doesn't really get explained either. Um, that The rock also seems to transform it into this seductive, it, it takes away all of her grime and it fixes her fucking teeth for her. 
she then goes to seduce these teenagers that are kind of following the boyfriend around. And then it gets very sort of the ring. Yeah. Evaporates in his TV, then outside. Slightly erotic version of the ring with popcorn. <laughs> no, just corn. Normal corn. Popcorn. Both corn. Both corn. Popcorn. All, the corn. All, corn. All of the corn. It gets so hot and steamy while they're in that little camper van that turns into popcorn. I want to talk about that camper oh, van, and I want to talk oh, about those teenage boys as well because there's definitely something going on between those teenage boys. Well, well, Connie, the girlfriend, yeah. references him as a homo several times through the movie. <laughs> she does, and there are scenes where they're all in bed together. I'm just saying. Do they live in that camper van? I don't know. Is that their house? I'm not sure. Did they? To say that, Connie mentions at the beginning of the film that he sleeps with his friends and then they're in the camper van later sleeping in the same bed. So I'm wondering if they all just live together. (laughs) Again, I'm wondering if this was just such a weird language barrier thing where the guy didn't understand that that was meant to be a joke and then took it literally. I don't fucking know. I don't know what the screenwriter was thinking. Things just apparate from nothing. Like these scenes come from nothing. Like a lot of these best worst films, it does feel like this was created by a council of aliens who've second-handedly seen a lot of our films and then tried to make their own film or like one of those like random film generator things. It doesn't feel like this was made by human beings. Yeah, Jack, do you want to tell us what your favourite scene was in the in the film? Do you have a favourite scene? The first 60 minutes of the film? <laughs> I think I agree with Hannah. I think the scene with uh, Credence with the birthday cake thing, I think was probably my favourite. It's just, she really does get the, the creepy atmosphere, like, just right. Uh, again, she feels like she knows that this film's a train wreck and mm. she's just in it for the fucking, the fun of it, rather than trying to, like, actually do a serious take on it and try to get some actual, you know, acting accolades. She feels it's just like just gun-ho. Yeah, she's All a of drag queen among wannabe Shakespearean actors. All of her scenes are exceptional. There's not really a dull moment when she's on the screen. Oh, at yeah. all, at all. So before we leave this, I do have one more favourite scene, and that is when Elliot Cooper, in his plant pot form glory, his friend comes in. Um, oh, shit, yeah, I forgot about this. this is brilliant. And his way to save him is just to drag his friend half plant all gross and bleeding, just out with a plant pot. And he clear, he's clearly struggling. Mm. He cannot carry him. And Credence just walks in behind them with her beautiful, beautiful self. I want to know what the rules are about this. Because like some of the times the food turns you into green mush, sometimes the food turns you into a tree. While we're on the kid in the plant pot, didn't that poor kid have to sit in that for like 14 hours? It was something like that. Mm-hmm. They like his, glued his shoes or something, didn't they? His feet were bolted, actually bolted to the plant pot. His feet are his shoes, because that's the actual torture. Oh, yeah, sorry. His shoes, but they were his shoes. Yeah. Most of the cast had their own clothes and wardrobe because they had no budget and they had no way of, of they didn't want they couldn't be asked. Like, there were scenes where people's t shirts changed mid scene. There was like <laughs> they the, fed where they paid in like green milk. They <laughs> fucked up. They, they, they had this thing where they like accidentally fucked up one of the t shirts and then like, oh just buy another fucking t shirt and bring it in tomorrow, mate. And I'm like, that's not how wardrobe works. You're meant to have this shit sorted out for me. Even I, the goblins, the costumes, the hands were far too big and had to be taped to this burlap sack they were wearing. The masks were far too big on some of them, and some of them weren't even tucked into the shirts. It's exceptional from beginning to end. I don't care what anyone says. None of you can convince me that this isn't one of the best films ever made. I feel like you'd honestly have to be heartless not to love this movie. It's one of those things where you can't can't get away with watching it and not be smiling the entire time from beginning to end. Or sleeping if you're Jack, but that's just, you know, narcolepsy. So Uh, did this film actually make any money? It did... Kinda, I think by this point, absolutely. Like with when you factor in like VHS oh, yeah, sales, the room itself hasn't it? It yeah, roomed itself. Blu-ray. It, it has kind of come back into the public consciousness and into the zeitgeist. But yeah, unreleased now. This was it didn't release in cinemas. It released pretty much straight to VHS. It would have. I mean, you consider that the budget was probably shoestring. It might have made its budget back. It probably didn't 
lose much money because of how little they actually put into making it. It only took him three weeks of it to film, yeah. like, the entire film. Well, he had, so. a vi- he had a vision and he got his vision done. Like, <laughs> he, I don't think anyone would want to argue with this guy. I think you're right. If this guy fucking asks you to bolt your feet to the floor, you're going to fucking do it. He's intimidating. <laughs> got actual feet. It's a testament to just how enjoyable bad movies can be, I think. And I think it's, it's, it's a fantastic gateway drug into the world of Best Worst. I'm going to leave this movie saying that it's not my favourite Best Worst, but it is within my top five, I'm going to say. I think it's an excellent film. All of the problems can be laid at the director's feet, but also the love is there. The genuine feelings that he has for this movie and still holds this movie are there. The actors all are probably very embarrassed about it, but they did it. They still show up to the best worst awards to accept the awards and this will always hold a special place in my little heart <laughs> i'd agree like this film is is definitely it's an eye-opener into what the best worst can do and that's just fill you with fun and entertainment and it's it, again it's probably not my top top best worst but it's definitely in the top five and i think it'll always be there just as it was how you guys introduced us, this mm. and the room is how you guys introduced us to the best of the worst. Because it's exactly watchable. It is. This is because it's worst. watchable. It's not one of the, we we have best worst on here that are hard to watch. What makes it so enjoy? Like what makes it such a good first best worst is because it's it's not one of those films that you can you don't have to struggle through it. It's not one that's going to hurt you. It does have a semblance of a plot, however, however many plot holes you can point at it, at least unlike cats. Yeah. See, this is a lukewarm one for me. Personally, I think there's definitely better, best worst for entertainment value, at least. I think we've definitely seen some ones that really lean into it, too. Like, mm. what was the circus one we saw? Was it... The circus one? Did it have vampires as a question mark on the end, or zombies? Or oh, but that's the one mark? with a ridiculous title. That's what like, was it? It was like incredibly mixed title. up vampires that got lost and turned into crazy zombies or something. It has, like, yeah, one of the longest the titles. It's got the weird factor just mm. right for me, and it was just silly enough to be good where it... This one was a little bit tepid for me, but again, it kind of opened the doorway, the gateway drug of mm. bad movies, you know, where it kind of, it got me warmed up for, it set the expectations, it set the bar, I think, and everything else was kind of, it was used as a measuring stick, I think, for me to compare other films against. Yeah, absolutely. There are three, like, sort of sequels to this film as well, if anyone, like, wants to invest more time into the universe of Troll. I know one came out in, like, the year after in, like, 1990. Uh, one was like a couple of years after that and there was one really recent one called Under Control I think brings back oh I know right what a fucking title I think brings back George Hardy as like a cameo in the, the dentist the, the dad dentist Troll hang on Under Control Troll did you just get that yes yes I did that's ridiculous Troll <laughs> 3 also did not feature any trolls apparently I don't I wouldn't expect it to I think if you're going to keep the tradition it was again not even re- it wasn't relevant to Troll 1 or Troll 2 but it also didn't have trolls in it, so it's just the most disjointed, I think if fucked I, up trilogy. Yeah. I think if by film three you then want to add a bit of like semblance of narrative and plot, I think you fucking missed the point entirely. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think Fergrasso, the director, actually knew what creatures were in the film because they comment on it and they say, look, why did you make a film without any trolls in and call it troll? And he was like, you know nothing. You don't understand. You, you, you don't, you, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. And I'm like, that's, Dogs. His, that's his answer to most things when anyone comes at him for not making a cohesive film. It's so enjoyable. The MySpace generation's Rocky Horror. I, I honestly love this film so much and I can't wait to, I can't wait to watch it under control and force you guys to watch that at some point in the future. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for listening to the first episode of the Bad Taste Buds. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, you can give our Instagram page, our Twitter page, and our Facebook page a like. Just search Bad Taste Buds. We also have a website at www.badtastebuds.com. 
Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, we are doing one of Ryan's favorite films. Do you want to give us a little introduction as to what we're doing next week, Ryan? Oh, gladly. We are taking a trip down to the Cheetah in sunny Las Vegas to watch the magical, the sexy, the titillating... It's not sexy. Showgirls. It's not titillating. <laughs> Michelle Visage's favorite movie. Yeah, and you Drag Race fans. Company. It's brilliant. I'm really excited to show you guys because you two have never seen this. This is oh, brand new no. for you. Um, I, th- I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, yeah, do keep checking us out and leave us some love. Thank you very much and see you later, guys. <laughs> <laughs>